This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. We just could not be more happy to be here this morning. Like being Garth, we just thank you for asking me. Thank you for having us back. Like this is our third year here, and we have enjoyed. Every, like it is, it has really been a really good thing for our church. And uh, just seeing how like y'all are partnering with Annie Armstrong, and we're partnering with Annie Armstrong Easter offering. You just see how like God is just using like this connection all over the country, like all over the United States and Canada, to be able to reach people. And uh, that's that is what we are here for. And we just could not be more excited to be here today. Uh, for all you parents out there that are going to be sitting, or grandparents that are sitting in your kids here this week, thank you for like trusting us to be able to come up here to be able to help y'all. That's, that uh, means a lot. Canada has become like a really sweet topic for me and my household over the past couple of years. It really has been sweet in a real way. Uh, my uh, girls, every year that I come back, I bring back some maple syrup. And, like, they love this maple syrup. And so every week, Eden's like, anytime that I do pancakes or waffles, we, I'm always like, hey, let's get, like, can we get the Canada syrup out? It's not called maple syrup anymore. It's called Canada syrup. And so she just, like, loves this stuff. And um, I just always bring some back, and it just really makes it, like, really great. But this past week, I was talking to her, and uh, we were praying. I was like, hey, I want you to pray for Dad while he's gone. We're going to Canada on this trip. And uh, it's like, all right. And um, it's like, you know, Dad, you know, because I told her like a while back that you can get maple syrup other places. She didn't believe that before. You know what I mean? And she goes, Dad, you know, you could go to Walmart and maybe get the syrup and you could just stay here. And uh, it just really like hit home to me. You know what I mean? Like, like she doesn't want me to go. And so it really just it kind of made my a day whenever she has said that. Um, today... Hey, oh, before I start, this Canada-USA hockey thing on, uh, the, at, at the end of this week, we are super excited about that. We do not think that we are going to win. We have already got that. Like most, I am super competitive, and I go into everything thinking that I have a chance to be able to win. But on this hockey thing, I know that we really are just going out there to have fun. Now, in basketball, we may try to, like, we're going to at least give it a good shot. But um, try to come out. It should be really neat. We had a great time two years ago. Uh, All right, today we're going to be looking at Psalm 73, if you want to start turning your Bibles now. It's a psalm of a guy named Asaph, and um, Asaph has 12 psalms ascribed to him. He was writing, and like, what it says is, he was a a Levite who led one of the temple choirs. He either wrote these psalms, or his choir sang them, or later choirs in the tradition of Asaph sang them. And so that's just a little background on kind of where they're at. You know, we've got like Songs of David, Songs of the Sons of Korah. We've got all these different psalms. This right here is one of these ascribed to Asaph. So um, this psalm today, it hit, like this is something that each one of us struggles with, I'm sure, every single day. I know that I do. And so just I really hope that we can take this to heart. And like our worship music this morning could not have hit like better like the message of today, and I'm just super excited for the way all that worked out. So um, we're going to start reading from Psalm 73. I'm going to read 1 through 28, and we're just going to kind of break it down after that. Psalm so, uh, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. 
For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Lawfully, they they threaten oppression. They They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I, have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned therein. Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you arouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When, your, uh, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in the heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you, and there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. This psalm is particularly, this is, Lori and I, my, my wife and I, we, we were missionaries in South Africa seven years ago now. And uh, this was the psalm, this Psalm 73, 20, uh, 25 and 26, we had this on our prayer card. And it's going to really tie into the message, but I just want to kind of give you a heads up on that. Like I have, this has really stuck with me for a long time. Um, in verse 1, we see that Asaph starts with a statement about God. He says, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. He gets this truth and understands who God is, that God is good to Israel and to those who are, who are pure in heart. Just like Asaph, we believe this same truth, like that God is good. You know what I mean? He is faithful. We believe that. But then Asaph makes a major shift to talking about himself. He tells us right here that his feet had almost stumbled. When I hear that, I think he means that he, I think, I think what he's saying here, that he had almost forgot this wonderful truth about God, that he is faithful, that, that like, I mean, he, he had almost forgotten that. And like this, the way that it happened is because a sin was starting to take root in his life. He says, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of of the wicked. He is telling us that he almost had a major faith crisis and it all started with his sin of being, env- of being envious when he saw the wicked prospering. I've been there before. I see these superstars who I know don't love the Lord and they just have everything. Life is easy for them. I mean, they really have everything. 
And you start thinking like, man, like, I know this person that loves Jesus with everything they've got, and they're just like struggling to get by. We, I mean, we all see that type of thing every day. Uh, talking about the wicked, Asaph says, they have no pains until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. Life is going really awesome for them. They say and do horrible things. They openly doubt God. Listen to what he says in verse 11. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Um, they have no pains until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. Life is going really awesome for them. And like all the while, they're like increasing in riches. And you see, you can kind of see how he's going through this. Like it's like, man, these people, like it's like I'm serving God and I feel like you kind of think life should go good for you, but then you see these people who have everything they have, they, they aren't, but life's going like perfect for them. Uh, then he gets desperate, and he says in verse 13 through 14, he says, All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. I can just imagine, you know, like thinking like, like I've trusted God my whole life, and yet, I look out here and I see this and I'm like, did I just waste it all? Was it all a huge waste, me living for him? And we know it's not, but he has gotten to that spot. We've all been there in some form or fashion, each one of us. Uh, we say to ourselves, I follow God my whole life, but I look at my neighbor next door who could care less and he has everything and here I am. Or maybe it's you, maybe you're helping out this week with surge camp or you just... You are just like a, you're, you're just loving the Lord like just every day of your life. And, but you see things happening and you're like, how is this right? Like, why is this going on? Uh, we've all had, had these thoughts where we've been envious of our position in life compared to others. And it has caused us to doubt God's faithfulness and possibly like, does he even exist? Back in 2003, when I was 23, I, uh, on a crazy whim, I was filling out something online, and I signed up for the United States Peace Corps. They do, like, aid work around the world. I don't know how I ended up in this organization. I saw this thing, filled it out, and over the next, like, five or six months, it worked out. And they sent me to, to Zambia, Africa. And while I was there, I taught fish farming in a village. But God really used that experience in my life because while I was there, so far away from my family, it was a two-year it was, it was two deal. Like, while I was there, God put missionaries there, IMB missionaries, just like y'all support the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. There's the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that supports these missionaries that are on the field. These people took me in over the next two years and discipled me, gave me a home away from home. And whenever I came back to uh, Tennessee, I, I felt God calling me to be a missionary. So I enrolled in seminary, whole purpose of like going out on the mission field. Some of my roommates there at uh, school, they introduced me to my wife, Lori, and we ended up getting married within a year. And we started praying about like, does God want to call us to, to, to the mission field? I already had it made up, but Lori, she kind of had to work on it a little bit. And uh, she eventually gets to the, to the point where she's like, all right, I feel like that God's calling us there. And we go to South Africa. We're working with this new people group, or not a new people group, but an unreached people group called the Apeti. And we get put out there, and I am, like, loving it. Like, I could not be in a better spot. 
My wife, on the other hand, is not loving it. When I was in the Peace Corps, it was like living in a hut and like no running water, no electricity. Here we had like a house with a concrete floor. It was like, you know, we got, we had a washer and dryer, water. Like it was really nice. And I was, and I was getting to do what I loved every day. But Lori, she, she was not enjoying it. And over the course of those three months that we were there, it just kept like getting worse and worse. And eventually we had some friends come out for Christmas. They, they were living in South Africa as well. They came out and they spent Christmas with us. But I knew after they left, it was about to get like really bad. And uh, they left and she was like, I'm leaving. And she would already been telling me this for like two months. And I was always like, no, we're not. No, we're not. And the pride in me was like, man, we, I went to seminary for this. I've worked for this. Like, you're not taking this away from me, you, you know? And, like, you can make it work, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, this can happen. And so she says, I'm leaving. And I'm like, and she starts getting serious about it. So I like, I'm like, all right, if you're going to leave, like, back up all your stuff to the house. I don't want anybody to see you because I know you're not going to get very far and you're going to come right back. You know, I don't think that you're going to leave. So she packs up all of her stuff. And when I see her packing, I'm like, all right, I should probably at least, like, put a couple of my bags in there that I want to take back to the U.S. just in case she really, like, leaves. Well, she really, she's like, I'm like, all right, if you go, I want you to drive off by yourself. But, like, I just think she's going to come back. Well, three hours later, she is in Johannesburg, and I'm still out there in the village, and I have to call, and I have to be like, I have to figure out a way for me to get there in the morning. And I take a minibus into town the next day and, like, re-meet up, and over the course of the next five or six days, we just decided that, like, we're not going to be staying there. And uh, we got on the airplane to go back to the U.S. And this is like, you can see me, like, my life is like going into an utter tailspin at this point. Like, I, you know what I mean? This is like all that I have. I see myself here for the next 30 years, and it's just like all falling apart. And uh, we get back to the U.S., and whenever we move in with my parents, we had sold our house, our cars, everything, moving with my parents, and we don't have jobs. And, like, first couple weeks, it's all right. But then I start really, like, turning on her and, like, start blaming her for everything. And I even get to the spot where I, like, create this system in my mind where I think it's all right, like, to, like, treat her badly because she has done, uh, she has done this to us. I mean, it's not right. You know what I mean? But, like, that's where I got in my mind. And uh, our marriage was, like, really in a tough spot. Let's see. Let's look at verse 16, and let's see what, like, as Asaph gets even more desperate. So in verse 16, here's what he says. But when I thought, had to understand this, like, had to understand, like, why are these wicked prospering? He's saying, when I thought, had to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. He's saying, like, this is just too much. I can't understand how God lets the world work like this. How can the wicked prosper? In the end, though, like, this right here, like, redo this with sin all the time. Uh, it starts with these little seeds of doubting God's word, and it ends up with these like major theological issues in our mind, or more than that, we are just like doubting all the time and doubting God's goodness. And like, but it all starts off with this sin that, that leads us down this road to where we're right here. And thinking just for me, it led me to that spot where I thought treating Lori like this, I knew it wasn't okay, but I made it in my mind where I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. She deserves this. 
I don't know where you're at. I don't know, like, where you have let sin, like, creep in and, like, distort God's word, maybe your view of his goodness, but I'm sure that it's happened in some ways. And uh, Satan is trying to lead us to believe something that isn't true is true. And we have always got to be on guard for that. But look, there is hope for Asaph, and there is hope for us. In verse 16 through 22, here's what he says. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Get this, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by tears. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. Make, like, make sure to get this, guys. As Asaph continued to try to understand this, like, it, seemed, it was like getting like too, it was like too daunting of a task. He could not figure it out. But when did he get it? It says when he went into the sanctuary of God, he saw the truth. All these people living apart from God don't really prosper in the end. When that final door closes on their life, they will all face judgment. He says, how they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Eternal punishment is coming. But look at this. It took him going into God's sanctuary, like really like seeking God to figure this out. And in verse 21 through 22, he comes face to face with just how much he had sinned against God in letting this type of thinking take root in his mind. He said, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked to the heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. That's what he's saying about how he was acting toward God. How he got to that spot, I was like a beast towards you. God, um, he's confessing that in the midst of this trial, he let his mind wander the places it shouldn't have. Doubting God's plan and his goodness. After months of being in a horrible place with our Lori, like we were back home, like by God's grace, I saw the light. It was through people at my church there and then through like staying in God's word, staying active, seeking God, people praying for me. Like, eventually, I got to the spot where I was like, man, I have really messed this thing up. Like, I was prideful when I was on the mission field. You know what I mean? Like, I let this, I let being a missionary become an idol in my life. And, like, having that taken away is basically like, that's what I found my identity in. I was horrible to her. I treated her, like, wrongly. Uh, Like, I wasn't trusting God. The biggest thing is that, like, I stopped trusting God with the little details in my life. Like I just was like, I don't, you know what I mean? I, I stopped doing that. But I kept seeking him and going to him and through other people's impact in my life. You know what I mean? Like, like, like feeding into me, like, like doing that. I was able to get a spot. I was like, man, I have really messed this thing up. And God worked a miracle in my life. All right, so turn back ASAP. Here we go. Then ASAP continues to turn back to the Lord. Listen to this, Psalm 23 or Psalm uh, 73, 23 through 24, here's what he said. It says, nevertheless, I am continually with you. This is Asaph. He's saying, like, God, I'm, gonna, I'm staying with you, God. He says, uh, you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Basically, he's saying, I am continually with you, God. I am not going to turn from you. You are holding on to my right hand. 
You're guiding me with your counsel, and you're going to keep me with you until the day that I meet you face to face. But this guy went through some real life things going on in his head to get to this spot. Listen to what he says in 73, 25 through 28. He says, this is the verse that we had on our prayer card. He said, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. When I first saw these passages, I saw just those by themselves. That was the first time I'd ever seen them. It was years ago. And I thought that that was kind of like the best part. I mean, that, that is like, you know what I mean? That's like, that's where he gets to where like who, how he sees God. But the whole part getting there is so awesome. You know what I mean? You watch this thing develop to where he can get back to this point where he can say this. When we had this on our verse, whenever we had this on our prayer card, like having to leave South Africa, I basically never wanted to see one of those prayer cards again, and I did not want to turn to that part of the Bible because I felt like I had like really messed that thing up. But like God, he was faithful, and he continued to just like work in me and point me to him. You know what I mean? To where I eventually figured out, like, man, I'm just messing up. The verse is perfect. You know what I mean? I need to get back to where I'm, like, seeing it like that. And um, it, took, it took a while, but, like, I was able to see my sin, and then I was also able to see God for who he, like, truly is. Asaph is saying, I want you to get these verses. Like, look at this right now in your Bible. Like, how he says it. Asaph is saying, basically, who else is there, God, besides you? Who can I possibly turn to? There is no, there's no one, and there is no thing. There is nothing I can turn to. And God, there is nothing else on this earth that I desire besides you. Like, that's saying, like, not my family, not my friends, not my cell phone, not sports, not my job. Like, nothing. There's nothing that we should desire more than him. Then he says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I just want you to know, like, I pray this all the time that I will have this type of heart. But I know that I struggle with this every single day. But I'm like, God, give me that type of heart where I trust you like that. He's calling all of us to trust him like that. It seems like a bar, like, too hard to read. But it is like through Jesus, you know what I mean? Through Christ, what his work on the cross, that's how, like, he is calling, like, you, like, he's calling us to trust him like that. See, everything else in my life can fall apart. I may get sick with cancer. I may be hurt by people that are my friends. I may have to leave my dream job. And for me, it was like being a missionary. Uh, my life may really be shaken. And for some of you, it probably your life has been shaken in some ways. Like all these things may happen. But God is my strength and what I'm holding on to. Like I just, we need to pray that God will give us this heart. Then in verse 27, look what he does. He reiterates the truth that he had almost forgot until he went into God's sanctuary. Here's what he said. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. He's like, God, I get it. Like, I see their end. Then he says in 28, he says this. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Isn't that awesome? Like, I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. It is good for me to be near God. He's calling each one of us in this room right now to, like, it is good to be near. He wants you 
to put God in the proper place in your life. Like, that's what he's calling us to. I don't know what's getting in the way of that for you, but, like, like ask God to show you that so you can put him in the proper place. Like, nothing is going to get Asaph off of this mission. When you see God for who he truly is, when you fall in love with Jesus and truly grasp what Jesus has done for you, when you trust Jesus alone to make you right with God, When Jesus, like, truly sits on the throne of your life, all you want to do is tell people about his works and invest in his mission. Like, when that happens, that's the only thing you can do. You know what I mean? It's like you just have, it changes, like, what you were focused on to you have this whole new focus in life. I'm trying to get all my small group leaders back home to, like, really get this picture. And, like, as they lead our youth, like, I just, I've, there's this verse that God has been working on me on for the past probably, like, four months. And it is, uh, it's 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It says this, says, so we care, this, this is Paul talking right here to, to the people in Thessalonica. He says, so we cared for you because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Did you hear that? He's saying, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. I'm working really hard and praying really hard that our Sunday school teachers and small group leaders will see that like making disciples is not just a one-hour exercise on Sunday morning. And for us, we can't think of it like that either, you know? Like, it, like, God is calling us to, like, to make disciple, disciple making is investing our lives in people's lives. And it's going to, like, it's going to take some time away from things that maybe you, like, like to do. But it's worth it. And if we can get the right view of God, then we can get that and we're like, it, it, you believe it is worth it. Uh whom, I just, I just want to go back to these real quick. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all of your works. Wherever you at, I know I said this a couple times, but wherever you're at right here in your, in your walk with the Lord, or maybe you don't have a walk with the Lord, like if you're struggling with some, with seeing this, the wicked prospering, and it is really messing up your faith, like see that like God's plan, you know what I mean? Like he has a plan. And re, like trust it. Like really trust his word. Seek him. Like, see, like, he has given us his word so that we can seek him. You know what I mean? Like, like, use this. Like, whenever I think about going to God's sanctuary, like, for me, you know what I mean? It's praying. It's praying to God. Like, coming in here is part of that. But, like, really, like, digging in to where he has revealed himself to us in God's word. Like, that's where he's getting us to. If you want to be able to be able to figure this out, like, Asaph got to the spot where he really figured it out, 
you're going to get there by getting in this and seeking the Lord. So if you're in that spot where you're just struggling in that, do that. Like seek, like seek out God through his word. And maybe you're in this room and you're like, man, I don't even know what's going on here. Like, I, like you're like, I don't, I'm, I, I'm not a Christian or I'm trying to figure this out. The Lord has a great plan. And we so often get in our minds that it's like, oh, it's not going exactly how I want. But it is God's plan, and he is good. And he, he wants to have a relationship with you. And if you have never trusted in him as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have never, like, turned from your, like, realized you're a sinner, you've realized you're a sinner, and, like, I do not want that, and you turn to Christ, and you make him your Lord and Savior, like, that is what he is calling us to. He wants that for you right now. If you're not sure today, if you have ever made that decision, I know that one of these pastors would love to talk to you sometime after this message. Like, nothing will thrill them more than to talk to you about that. God, um, let's pray. Join me in prayer. God, I just thank you for just Garth and just letting me just be able to just come up here this morning and be able to preach. God, I thank you for this church and everybody in it today. God, I pray you just work in my heart. God, help me help to make this true in my life because, God, you know that I have a long way to go. God, I need you in that. God, I pray for everybody out here, God, wherever their struggle is in this, God, I pray that you would help them to, like, seek you out, that they would see you for who you are. And, God, if there's someone in here who's never trusted in you, God, I pray that they would just see you, Lord, as the only way. God, we love you. We just thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name.